Good morning, and welcome to Catholic Women Now Coffee Table, where the, whether you're listening via radio, streaming online, or with the Iowa Catholic Radio app, we are delighted to have you with us this morning. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. I'm Good. excited to have Father Wayne Manesis on with yes, us today. Yes, he's our guest today. He's going to be our keynote speaker at the Iowa Catholic Women's Radio Conference, The Soul of the Matter, on November 2nd at St. Francis. Ladies, get your tickets now. You can go online at Iowa Catholic Radio, and yes. $30 um, for general admission, and $20 for students, and that's a great price yes, for all the power pack yes. speakers we have. We I have know. Sonia Corbett, she's fabulous. Yes, and then of course Susan, Susan Tassoni, Tassoni, the Purgatory Lady. Yeah, she's lady. so interesting and she, fiery, yes. as I always say. She's fun to listen uh-huh. to. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like and a fire Father Wayne Menezes. He's a wealth of information. Wow. Wow. Uh, yes. Yes. So it's going to be a great conference. And so we want to see you all there. And we're going to be there. So we'd like to see all our friends. What a great opportunity to combine your friendships, your faith, and fun. I yes. mean, it's just a win, win, win. food. And food. You can't, and, can't forget that one. Yeah, food. <laughs> yeah, the four Fs. You like that alliteration. <laughs> I do. <laughs> fun, friendship, food. What? I'll be there. <laughs> oh, good. Because I'm counting on you. <laughs> All right. Well, should we start with prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you have any questions for Father Wade, text us at 515-223-1150. And uh, let us know what you think, or if you have any questions, it'll be fun to hear from you out there. Yeah, we like to hear you guys talk back to us. How about that? You talk back to us here. <laughs> but we're, we're kind of lonely here so in the studio, so <laughs> enter the conversation with us. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun to have you on. And like she said, the Women's Conference is coming up on November 2nd, so get those tickets. We still have tickets available. You can go to iowacatholicradio.com and do that. And then also go to iowacatholicradio.com for the December 7th event, Extraordinary News with Father John Ricardo. Yeah. Oh, we love Father John Ricardo here That's at Iowa Catholic packed. Radio. Yes. And God willing, um, the premiere of The Veil Removed as well. So also I think we're going to be hearing a little bit from Oot Fiedem. And if you don't know what that means, it means Keep the Faith. And they are one of the big sponsors for this event. And um, they're going to tell you a little bit about who they are and what's going on with them at Dowling Catholic High School as well. Yeah, the tickets are going fast for both these events. You guys get in there and get your ticket now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't don't delay. Don't delay. That's right. And just before we get into our little, we Julie and I are going to talk a little bit about the feast of Our Lady of the Rosary that was on October seventh and the Battle of Lepanto. But first, I just want to say thank you, Cindy Schulte. You're such a good friend to Iowa Catholic Radio and Catholic Women Now. Cindy is a representative for Farm Bureau Financial Services, and she's an authorized independent agent with her team. She provides health insurance options from Wellmark, Blue Cross, Blue Shield of Iowa, and just makes insurance a little bit more simple. For for those of us um, who are not in that finance world. So you can find her on the web at cindyschulte.com or by calling 515 excuse me, 515-226-2111. I wanted to jump the gun on that, 226-2111. Well, we're going to want to share about our one of our favorite Marian feast days, Our Lady of the Rosary, which, like you said, Chris, was October 7th. Mm-hmm. And we realized it was last week, but we weren't able to get it on the show. But we thought, why not this week? It's still a good... It's a good thing to learn about yeah. the history behind it and why we celebrate that. Right. And Being the month of the rosary, absolutely. Mm, it's a yeah. good, th- good thing to learn about. Um, you know, and it, the whole thing started out more uh, not as a battle or, excuse me, a celebration, but it m- 
started really originally with a battle that happened in the 1500s. Yes. What happened was, is Selim II, he was a Muslim Ottoman Turk king, and he wanted to take the island of Cyprus. They had the Muslims had owned the island of Cyprus, but they struck a treaty with Venice, and that Venice could be now have that authority have the, be a colony of Venice of Cyprus okay. of, of Venice. But um, but the king or the King Solomon II wanted it because he wanted the wine, the bit, the grapes that grew in Cyprus for the wine he likes to drink. He so liked he, to drink. he wanted it back. He wanted it back for the but, wine, wine. But wine. he was in a quandary because he had made this treaty and he swore it on top of the Quran. And he couldn't do. He couldn't go back on the. Quran. So he called his grand mumphy, who is a his grand what mumphy. He was a <laughs> okay. he's like a high religious order person, and he issued a, a fatwa, which means it's <laughs> okay, an we're edict. learning all sorts of. New I know stuff, I'm new learning language. how to say things too. <laughs> it's a religious edict, and uh, he came up with this edict that said, irregardless what the treaty said that they made with Venice, it was the religious duty of the Muslims to bring all the land that was ever held by Muslims back into Muslim rule. So on that premise. They assembled uh, a naval army to go and take Cyprus. And that's something that we continue to see. If the Muslims ever, at one point, ever owned something, they think that it, they should eventually go back and get it. Right, right. Yeah, we so. see that in the Holy Land, too. Yeah. So oh. anyway, so off they went, and they um, they took it. They took Cyprus, and Fumagosta was the town that they um, took siege of, um, massacred, and killed a lot of Christians mm. on that island. And then they decided, hey, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Well, by the um, meanwhile, great Pius, St. Pius V, had had heard about all that was going on. So he signed a treaty that placed the Holy League, which was... Um, an alliance with France, Spain, some Englishmen, and, and when you the say whole, amongst all the Christians in those in, countries, uh huh, in uh, with the Holy See to form this Holy League army, naval army. So at this time it was right after the Reformation, which was around the early 1500s. So this was a great unification and kind of a feat that this would happen at this time after there had been this division. And this was also a time when really the Pope was a military leader because he bankrolled this. Didn't he? Uh, he might have. He I know. I the, had read that he bankrolled this military. Well, endeavor, and the Vatican actually was uh, had had land that they were had authority on. They had central part of Italy mm-hmm. belonged to the Holy See. Right. It was yeah. a little bit different back then. Yeah, it was. It was. And so then they had this commander. They asked the Don Juan. That person exists <laughs> in history. He was a half brother of the King of Spain. He was twenty five years old, and they asked him to command the Holy League fleet. And so they took off, and um, to go to go seek out the Muslims. And as they were coming out of the harbor, the papal nuncio blessed every ship. Can you imagine that? All these ships sailing out of the harbor and the papal nuncio blessing them with his... And didn't each ship have several priests, if not two or three at least, Each ship had one or two priests, either Dominicans or Jesuits, on board. Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that would be amazing to have today. And every man was... difference. And every man was carrying a rosary. On those fleets. Wow. I remember well, and Rosie. then uh, the Pope Pius V also ordered the churches of Rome to be opened for prayer day and night, actually. And he encouraged everybody to say the rosary during yeah, this time. And he asked all the monastery and convents in Europe to keep a constant vigil before the Blessed yeah, Sacrament. He really knew what was on the line I mean, for he, Europe. It was really protected. And Our Lady was, it was the one that was, mm. they were calling upon mm-hmm. Our Lady to mm-hmm. do that. And the men fasted three days before they took off. That's that, the other, see, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? I mean, people really understood what fasting and the power of fasting the, was The power then. of that, yes, yes. yes. Wow. So anyway, so they, they found the Turks. They were in the 
this, the Bay of Lepanto, a wind came up just right so the ships of the Holy League could go into the bay and go uh, start start the battle. So here's the interesting thing. Don Juan was very astute and very innovative. I, I, I can't get over the guy's name I know. is Don Juan. <laughs> and Ve- Venice at the time was the shipbuilding capital of that war part of the world. So Don Juan went to Venice, and they came up with this new style ship. Because up until this time, naval battles were fought where the bow, you know, they had those big yes, bows. And yes. they would just ram each other until they could get close enough that they would the men would just storm the ship and take it, it over. like bumper cars. Yes, it yeah. was like bumper cars on, on water. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he had them built these ships that had a flat barge look to them. And on the side, they put in little um, peepholes for cannons. Mm. And new. so this as, was new. That, this was the, new technology. technology. <laughs> new, latest technology in warfare. So as they <laughs> sailed into the harbor, it confused the the Muslim Turks, because they thought, what's going on? Because they don't see these big ships with the bows in front of them. So sure. they were confused. And then they um, lined their ships in a crescent formation, and Don Juan put the, the Holy League in a cross formation. Okay, now that's so cool, because, yeah. of course, the crescent is representative of the Muslim it's faith. On their, it's on their flag, mm-hmm. yes. And then we have, of course, the cross for us. That's and interesting. Here's another religious fact. The uh, fly flag they flew on, on the Holy League ships had the crucifix on it, Jesus on the cross, uh-huh. and they had a image of Our Lady of Guadalupe oh, wow. on, on the wow. ship. Yeah, isn't that something? Wow. And so then anyways, two miracles happened. One was the ship, and a wind came up, confused the Muslim Turks, so they kind of had to go into a straight line. They lost the, their formation. They lost their formation. Mm-hmm. These new ships turned, which they didn't expect, and then all these cannons were facing them, and this first time cannons were used in, in and warfare on the water, and they defeated wow. them. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, there were so many fewer um, Christians involved. The, the Turks way outnumbered, the Turkish Muslims way outnumbered almost, the Christian ships. Almost two to one. Yeah, Almost two amazing. to one. So anyway, so Pope Pius the, the fifth knew that this was a great victory, and he declared this as our, originally it was Our Lady of Victory, but now it's Our Lady of the Most Holy Rosary. Feast wow. day in honor of that battle. And it's really interesting to think about, if they had... One, what we would look like today politically. Right. Definitely Europe would look very different. Well, Europe, likely, likely. Likely Europe would, and even, even the Western Hemisphere right. because Europeans came. Right. And, so it's really remarkable. And after that, the um, Muslim Turks never never had a sea battle again. Wow. The, well, I said. will tell you that um, it was originally called, the feast was originally called Our Lady of Victory, but then... Pope Gregory the Eighth came along, and he was the one that changed the name to the Feast of the Holy Rosary, and that really has held mm-hmm. through that's history. Kept it. But so many people wonder, and you know, wh- where did Our Lady of Victory come from? Well, that's where it came from. Yeah. This Battle of Lepanto. Originally. So when you chant out after when you're getting ready for a ball game, yeah, Queen of Victory, yep. pray for yes, us. That's, that's where it came yeah, from. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I love that history. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we be back, we'll be talking with Father Wade Menezes. Welcome back to Catholic Women Now here in Iowa Catholic Radio with Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder. And we're excited to invite in today, who's joining us, is Father Wade Menezes. He's a member of the Fathers of Mercy, a missionary preaching religious congregation based in Auburn, Kentucky. He is currently the Assistant General and served as Director of Seminarians for the Fathers of Mercy. And Father Wade has been a contributor to many Catholic publications, and he appears on EWTN television, which you many of you may have seen him on TV. And also here on Iowa Catholic Radio, he hosts Open Line Tuesday, so you may be hearing him here on Iowa Catholic Radio. Father Wade is the keynote speaker at this year's Iowa Catholic Radio Women's Conference, the soul of the matter. So welcome (laughs) to Catholic Women Now, Father Wade. 
Well, thank you. It's great to be with both of you, Julie and Chris. Thanks for inviting me today. Yeah, we're looking forward to meeting you here in a couple weeks, too, in we person. We really are. have a famous priest here in Des Moines. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know how famous, but we'll give God all the glory. <laughs> yes. Amen. Praise Amen. God. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. absolutely. Well, Father Wade, you have two talks you're giving at the conference. One is the nature of sin and its consequence, and the other one is the tribunal of mercy. So let's kind of start with that first talk you're going to be giving: um, the nature of sin and its consequence. So, why is sin something we need to be talking about in today's world and today's culture? You know, as we enter now into the third millennium. Uh, these 19 years now and counting, um, sin and its reality is something that I believe is largely forgotten, uh, even its, its seriousness, and this even by the good practicing Christian. Um, the, the universal catechism of the Catholic Church is very clear that sin is simply an offense against reason, truth, and right conscience. Huh? Uh, it is a failure in genuine love of God and neighbor caused by a perverse attachment to certain goods. That's created goods. And uh, sin, it's by its very nature, wounds the, the nature of man and injures human solidarity. And St. Augustine, who himself suffered from a severe lust addiction, which he tells all about in his famous Confessions, uh, St. Augustine defines sin as, quote, uh, an utterance, a deed, or a desire contrary to the eternal law of God. That is, the Ten Commandments, the first three which have to do with love of God, and the remaining seven commandments that have to do with love of the neighbor. Uh, you know, go figure, right? The majority of the Ten Commandments don't even have to do with love of God. They have to do with love of neighbor. Mm-hmm. So that should tell us something about the importance of human solidarity and how sin in and of itself uh, can wound it. And this, whether it be mortal sin or venial sin, the two classifications of sin which the Church has always taught, based on the three-legged stool of of sacred scripture and sacred tradition and the magisterium, which itself, the magisterium, is is rooted in the apostolic college of of the Twelve Apostles. So we know what sin is, we know the damage it can do in a person's life, we know that veritable structures of sin, like certain things pass through the courts that become law, veritable structures of sin, uh, like abortion, for example, uh, all begin with personal sin. It all begins, and we've lost sight of this larger picture of sin. You know, Father um, Wade, I was just—I was just thinking, you know, of this topic and how so much of today is rationalized that we don't even recognize yeah. sin in our society. What almost is what is right is wrong, and what's wrong is right. The song, I, you know, "Bad" by Michael Jackson. I always think of that too. How they kind of turned "bad" into meaning that's a cool thing instead of something is actually not good. Yeah, you know, uh, culture can use things like language, uh, thought processes, uh, to to make a good look bad and to make a bad look good. Mm. And so Mm. we need to be well-versed as faithful Christians, specifically for purposes of this conference, uh, Catholic Christians. It's a Catholic radio conference, although I'm sure non-Catholics will be there. But as Christians in general, and Catholic Christians in particular, we have to be ready to carry the torch in defense of the Church's teachings on the reality of sin. And I'll give you just one example. When I'm frequently at a Catholic gifts and bookstore, I see all these books on confession, and, and that's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. In fact, one of my two talks is on confession, as you mentioned earlier, uh, God's Tribunal of Mercy, the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation. So I see all these books on the shelf on confession, and I'm sure they touch upon sin, don't get me wrong, but we rarely see books on sin per se. 
And again, I think even within the church herself, we, we see this area lacking. Yeah, there's almost like a fear of ta- saying the word sin, almost like, you know, it sounds so harsh. And Yeah, so, and you so, sound like a prude when you yeah, use the word authoritative, almost, right? it, Yeah. Yeah, or you're judging, you're yes. judging, or uh, you're, you're being politically incorrect by trying to lead somebody correctly according to the Ten Commandments, uh, to the natural law. Um, and and, and we, we, sh- we shy away from giving the truth, and yet our baptism and our confirmation... Uh, sustained by regular Eucharist and regular reconciliation, uh, call us to do so, so much more by living this active sacramental life and giving the truth to others. You know, I like to say that, that the opposite of sin, the practice of sin, whether it's a vice that's continuous in somebody's life or maybe it's just a passing one- or two-time thing that the person has done, um, the opposite of the action of sin is the action of virtue. And then what is virtue? Well, again, the Catechism tells us very clearly that virtue is the pursuance of the good and the true in concrete daily actions with all five of our bodily senses, sight, smell, taste, touch, and hearing, and the four faculties of the soul, intellect, will, memory, and imagination. And these nine great gifts, these nine fantastic, beautiful, great gifts, the five bodily senses and the four faculties of the soul, lead us, at least they should lead us, to practice the good and the true in concrete daily actions, to do this versus that, to do this good versus this evil, to carry out this virtue as opposed to this vice, to do this thing for my betterment as opposed to this thing which would go toward my detriment. Ah. You know, and, and that's how we have to look at life. Father Wade, this is powerful. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners um, digest that information. And when we come back, we're going to ask you a couple things about the consequences of sin. So we'll be back in a second. Women Now with Chris Magruder and Julie Nelson. We're talking to Father Wade Menesis. We're talking um, today a little bit about the nature of sin. Wanted to come back, Father, and talk to you about the consequences of sin. On a practical level, what does that look like? Well, when you're talking about the two traditional categories of sin, uh, venial versus mortal, you're talking simply about this. Um, Mortal sin, which requires three things, grave matter, fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent of your will. If all three of those are present, you have a mortal sin, grave matter. It contravenes God's moral law, and seriously so, the Ten Commandments. A fullness of knowledge. You have knowledge before you do it that it contravenes seriously God's moral law. And number three, you do it with deliberate consent of your will anyway. Grave matter, fullness of knowledge, and done with deliberate consent of your will. If any one of those three is missing, or any two are missing, you have a venial sin. Now, mortal sin severs supernatural charity between the individual and God and the individual and neighbor by their own doing, by their own carrying out of those three actions which constitute a mortal sin. Venial sin constricts or restricts supernatural charity between the person and God from working fully and between the person of God, the person themselves, and their neighbor. It constricts that. So 
you still might be wise, but you're not wise at, at a supernatural level to be able to uh, discern what to do, this or that. Um, and this is the Church's constant, te- constant teaching on mortal versus venial sin. Now, the good news is, is that when these breaches take place and one confesses the sin, uh, whether mortal or venial, um, great healing takes place. And that's important to remember, too. So, for example, the Catechism teaches very beautifully, namely from the teachings of Pius XII and Pope Paul VI, again, but based on Scripture, tradition, and the magisterium, the nine chief benefits of a frequent confession. And I'll just comb through these quickly. Conscience is purified. Grace is increased. The will is strengthened. Self-knowledge is increased. More rapid growth in virtue takes place. Humility grows. Bad habits are assisted in being overcome. A spirit of mediocrity or lukewarmness is assisted in being overcome. And greater self-control is achieved in daily living. So while these breaches do take place between God and neighbor and the individual who carries out the sin, whether venial or mortal, we need to remember the positive healing from these nine chief areas that Mm. take place as well. Mm -hmm. And those are so beautiful. And when you read them, it's like, I want that. Right. I, my soul was yearning for that. And this kind of brings into your second talk you're going to be talking about in the Tribunal of Mercy, which is, Father? The Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation. There you, there you, know. you go. We, Julie and I were talking about how we thought maybe the Tribunal of Mercy was some a synod or something. Yeah, so. it sounded like a meeting. <laughs> we didn't know for sure what well, that was. Where does that come from? Well, tri- it is a meeting of sorts. It is a meeting of how a, a tribunal is a court, right? For example, uh-huh. you talk about the diocesan marriage tribunal, which is uh, governed to decide on marriage cases, whether or not they were ever sacramental to begin with or not. So a tribunal is a court, plain and simple, just like a marriage tribunal. So we're saying that it's a tribunal of mercy, the sacrament of penances or holy confession is a tribunal of mercy. It's a court of mercy. And who's the accused? Well, the sinner, who's just made an examination of conscience and who's willfully stepped into the confessional on their own. Who's the just judge? The Father. And who's the tribune? The tribune is Jesus Christ. Mm. And who was the tribune, mind you, in first century Palestine? The tribune was the person charged by the Roman government to defend the guilty party free of charge. What we would call today in the United States the modern-day public defender who usually works at the county level. The modern-day public defender was the so-called tribune in first-century Palestine. So in this court of mercy, this tribunal of mercy, the penitent is the accused. Jesus is the tribune, offering his mercy free of charge to the Father in the Holy Spirit on behalf of the accused. The Father is the just judge. And I like to say that the Holy Spirit is the juror sitting to the side in the juror box, uh, flapping his wings, all happy that the penitent is there. <laughs> but unlike a court of law, there is true justice and God's justice, and that is his mercy. And so I, when you were saying this and all f- putting this all together, in my mind I'm thinking I'm walking into a place of great acceptance and love. I'm reconciled. It's not like I'm ro- walking in waiting to be judged, but I'm being enveloped and, and loved. Right, right. And let's remember, too, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, the great doctor of the Church, he says the very first step needed to grow in holiness, to grow in personal sanctity, is good self-knowledge, which, by the way, was number four on that list of nine, the nine chief benefits of a frequent confession. Mm -hmm. Good self-knowledge. In other words, knowing your virtues and admitting them, to grow in them, 
and knowing your vices and admitting them to begin to uproot them out of your life. Mm. Well, what better practice to grow in self-knowledge than a daily examination of conscience, which is meant to be just a a 90-second to two-minute exercise. And then, of course, the the little bit longer examination of conscience, no more than five minutes, just before you step into the confessional, which hopefully one does at least once a month to stay active in the sacrament. You know, 12 times is not too much to ask. Once once a month, say in honor of the first Friday devotion to the Sacred Heart, or, or say right. in honor of the first Saturday devotion to the Immaculate Heart, going to confession once a month is, is not too much to ask when you stop and realize that the year has 365 days in it, right? Right. What a great challenge for all of us to hear, you know, that daily examination of conscience, you know, in between going to reconciliation kind of keeps you aware of where you're at with the Lord. Well, Father, we, yeah, we, so I, I, we have really, I'm sorry, we are bumping up against the clock now, and uh, we are looking forward to hearing more of this at the Iowa Catholic Radio Women's Conference on November 2nd. So, Father Wade, thank you so much. Sorry I had to cut you off, but we're all excited about hearing it in its entirety here in a couple weeks. Oh, no problem, Julie and Chris. Thank you so much. That's why they gave me 50 minutes for my talk. Well, we hope we enticed our listeners to show up and hear it. It's, it'll be good. Thank you. God bless right. you. Well, Catholic Women Now is grateful for the support of Mr. Haas, attorney at law. Mr. Haas is dedicated to providing personal and highly responsive legal services to people who have suffered an injury. FredHaas.com. Fred, double D, Haas, double A. Well, should we take it out in prayer here? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good and gracious, Lord, we thank you so much for the mercy that you give us each day. We ask, Lord God, that we are mindful to come before you and to examination, to do an examination of our conscience, Lord, so that we can continue to walk in your mercy and look at the virtues that uh, those habits that we want to work out in our lives, Lord God, and to avoid sin, that we might draw closer to you. And we ask for the strength and the grace to be able to do this. In your Holy Son, Jesus' name, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Catholic Women Now, broadcasting from the Mercy One studio. Would you consider supporting Iowa Catholic Radio with a $30 a month gift donation? You can do so at iowacatholicradio.com or call us at 515-223-1150. The Iowa Catholic Radio Rosary is prayed daily at 5.30 a.m., 9.30 p.m., and is up next at 9.30 a.m. Now go do impossible things with God. Talking about the things that matter most to you. Today's Catholic Women. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris McGruder is underwritten by Fred Haas. Over 30 years helping injured Iowans recover losses from accidents and work-related injuries. Fred Double D, Haas Double A. And Farm Bureau agent Cindy Schulte, a licensed representative of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Iowa. CindySchulte.com. Catholic Women Now with Julie Nelson and Chris McGruder every Thursday at 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. On the radio voice for Catholic Women Now. 11.50 a.m., 88.5 f.m., and 94.5 f.m. And on the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Iowa Catholic Radio. Radio.